0: chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, if not, it'll be on the screen. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Just want to talk to you for a little while. I don't know if we'll be talking or preaching. It may be some points of preaching. I don't know. We'll just see how it turns out tonight. Uh, Isaiah 6, beginning at verse number 1. And the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. High and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it s- stood the seraphims. One, uh, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, "Holy, holy, holy, is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory." And the posts of the door. Moved at the voice of him that cried. And the Bible says that the house was filled with smoke. What Isaiah said, he's, Isaiah said, I saw the angels when they cried, or as they cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It was their response to the holiness of the Lord. Whether or not he was caught up, whether or not it was a vision, I, I'm not really certain. But he said this was their response to the holiness of of the Lord but I notice Isaiah's response when he saw the Lord which is found in verse number 5 he said then said I woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts Isaiah this writing this is a man who apparently was in good spiritual standing with the Lord in order for him to look and see the Lord. Because the Bible tells us that no man can see the Lord and live. But whether or not what what exactly what exactly Isaiah saw, I'm not sure, yet he records in his scripture that he saw the Lord. And yet when he sees the Lord along with the angels crying holy, Isaiah's first response is to repent. Because he said, woe is me, O Lord, because I am a man of unclean lips. You see, when Isaiah, in seeing the Lord, he said, I recognize his holiness, and I also recognize that as holy as he is, it doesn't matter what I've done, and it doesn't matter how good I am. He said, I'm still unholy and I must be cleansed and purified in order to be made whole. I want to tell somebody tonight that it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter how long you've been serving the Lord. The automatic response of a child of God who is in their right mind and thinking correctly should be to repent in his presence. To say, God, if there is anything in me that is unpleasing to you or to your holiness, I I want you to remove it from my life. Make me clean and make me whole. You understand that we repent in order because we recognize that we are not worthy. And even through repentance, we are not worthy to stand in his presence. Many people want to see him. But far too few are actually willing to pay the price that it's going to cost them to behold him face to face. So I say that if we really want a visitation from God, and if we really want him to visit this place and we really want him to speak into our hearts and lives, then the first response that we are going to have to have is to recognize how holy he is. And how desperately we need him to touch our lives. So I wonder tonight if together and corporately we could raise our hands in this place. And we ask God, Lord Jesus, would you visit us? And let that be a prayer of repentance right now. God, if there is anything in my life, if there is anything that would stand in my way. And that would stand in your way, God, I pray that you would remove it from my life tonight. God, we want you to speak to us and we want you to touch us. In this place, God, and we ask that you would visit us in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. In the book of Job, the 42nd chapter, we find a powerful unfolding of revelation in the life of Job. Though time tonight, uh, unless I had my watch upside down, time would not allow me to go through the entire account thing that happened to Job. It but I would like to say it would do us good if you were to look at that. Look it up in scripture, Job 42, read it, study it of everything that Job went through. Job Job the story of Job it takes away from us every excuse that we could have to complain. It the story of Job takes every excuse away from us to be unthankful. He woke up one day as one of the wealthiest men on the face of the earth, and then he woke up the next day as one of the poorest men on the face of the earth. And one day the Bible said that everything that he had, he was a man of great wealth. Those that were around him, those that knew him, desired to be him. We all know what that's like. We all see people uh, you know we we all say we're, we're not driven by money but many of us would like to know what it would be like to have some and and some of us would l- love to know what it's like for someone to desire to be us it would do good for our 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 our, our nature It'd do good for our our own pride but he woke up one day having everything that anybody could want to the next day having everything taken from him. Not only was he poor in the flesh at that moment, but I would like for you to notice that he was also poor in his spirit. It was a difficult time and place that I hope that I and none of us ever have to see in our lives. But in the midst of all the misfortune, in the midst of his his, his servants coming to him and say, Job. Your, your cattle are, are gone. And then a next one comes up and says, Job, I hate to tell you, but all your houses are gone. And then another one comes as that one's leaving. And he said, all, all of your other livestock is gone. And finally, the one that comes bringing the most dreaded news to Job, he said, Job, I don't know how to tell you this, but all your children are gone. They've been they've been killed in the midst of all of this misfortune Job had an incredible moment of revelation in his life. And he began to realize that it was not God that took everything away from him. It was not God that wanted Job to be without. Rather, it was Job's ability to keep his mind pure. And it was Job's uh, ability to keep his heart pure. It, is, it was his ability to look into the face of God. Uh, Even while being disappointed, even while mourning the loss of his children, for Job to look at him and say, I will bless the Lord today. Even though I don't have everything today that I had yesterday, but today I choose to bless the Lord. He said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to stop here for a moment. And ask the question, how many of us in this place... If we were to go through what Job went through, would have the forethought or would have the, the peace of mind to say, I, I know it looks bad and I know that everything's gone. And some, most would even question God and ask him, why would this happen? Why would you allow this? Uh, there's not too many of us that I know that would look in the face of all of this and say, I choose to praise God in the middle of my hurt. I choose to praise God in the middle of my loss. I choose to bless the Lord even though he has allowed everything to be taken away from me. I want to tell you that we have a a, a lot of confusion. Job, in the midst of all of that, began to praise God. And it lets me know that we have a lot of confusion about what praise really is. Praise is not hype. I wish I had somebody help me tonight. Praise is not hype. Praise is not bouncing up and down with the beat of the music. That might be part of my offering of praise, but it is not what my praise really is. Praise is just not the beating of the cymbals, or it's not the banging on a keyboard, or the strumming of a guitar. Of course, that is part of the offering of praise, but that's not what praise really is. But I want to tell you that those people who we read about in Scripture, when the Psalmist said to praise Him on the loud cymbals and the high-sounding cymbals, what He was saying is, you're going to have to make a conscious choice, and you're going to have to make a conscious effort to do just this. Praise is not always easy when it come when it come when we come into the house of the Lord and we don't feel good or we we haven't got the report that we wanted, when we haven't got the job that we interviewed for, when we may not feel like praising him, but it's not praise if I bless him only when I'm feeling like it. It's not praise if I only bless him when everything is going good in my life. There is going to come a time in your life, in my life, that we're going to have to praise him. We're going to have to bring him what we call a sacrifice. Praise. That's when I don't feel like lifting my hands but I lift my hands anyways. That's when I don't feel like lifting my voice in praise, but I go ahead and lift my voice anyway. That's when I can't grab a hold of anything around me that feels secure, but I begin to declare what the psalmist wrote when he said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord when the doctor says no, when I really wanted a yes. I will bless him when my boss says no, When I really wanted a yes, I will bless him at all times and in everything. I will bless him. I will bless him on the good days. That that song we sing around here is that I will will praise him in the good days and the bad days. I'll praise him when I'm happy or sad because my praise is not predicated on how I feel. My praise is not predicated on how things look. If, if If he comes and he takes everything from me tomorrow, then I'm going to praise him. If he blesses me with everything, I'm going to praise him. If I'm on the mountaintop today, I'm going to praise him. But if I'm in the valley tomorrow, I'm going to still praise him. Because whether or not things are going good or bad does not change the fact of how good God is. A, a thing. He's still God and he's still on the throne. This is one of the toughest places to be and one of the toughest lessons in life to learn. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually, everybody say continually, be in my mouth. I want to tell you tonight that when we pray, when his praise is continually. In your mouth, there isn't room for anything else in there. There isn't room for cursings in your mouth when praise is continually in your mouth. That Job's wife looked at him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? But when Job's mouth was full of praise continually, there wasn't room for cursings. There isn't room for gossip when his praise is continually in your mouth. I just want to pause here for a second and say that when you feel like grumbling and you feel like complaining, instead of doing that, why don't you just start praising him? When you go to work tomorrow and that person does you wrong or talks about you and you find out about it, instead of going to them and giving you giving them a piece of your mind, why don't you just begin to praise God in, in a, for what he is going to make out of that situation? When the doctor calls you tomorrow, and it may not be the report that you want, instead of crying and, and being in the mullet grubs about it, why don't you begin to praise God and say, God, I may not understand it. God, I don't know why I'm going through it, but I'm going to praise you. I vow to praise you in the good and the bad. I, I vow to praise you when I'm rejoicing and when I'm weeping. Because it doesn't matter, really, it doesn't matter really what we go through. are to praise God continually. So Job goes through this season of revelation just as did the psalmist and it was a time where he begins to learn that God learn learn about God and the essence of God is not about what I have. My praise is not about what I have. Listen, I hope God blesses all of us Or all of you with with everything that you desire. But can I tell you right now that all the possessions in the world ain't going to make your life any better. He could give you tomorrow everything that you've ever prayed for. You could could get up tomorrow and say, God, it's going to be a good day, but it would be a better day if there was a Ferrari sitting in my driveway tomorrow. Well, it might be a good day for a moment until you got that ticket driving down the road. But understand that those possessions aren't going to make you any happier in life. Not going to, it's not about what I have. It's not about what God blesses me with. The essence of God and the love of God is not based on what I possess. So many people have a revelation of God that is based on disappointment and not pure revelation of who he is that because God hasn't answered that prayer, or they think because God hasn't blessed me the way that I think that he ought to bless me, then he must not really love me. Is this all right tonight? So many people that I've heard complain, I've heard heard talk against God and and talk, well, well, a God that loved me would not allow that to happen to me. Or God that... That love me would give me the things that I desire, or a God that loved me would not allow my body to be stricken like, like that. Can I tell you something? That that has nothing to do with whether or not God loves you. That has nothing to do with the love of God. Sometimes, as Pastor has stood in this pulpit and said, sometimes it's just life. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. We look at people in the world. The, the writer in the Bible says he said, Why? Why does why does a wicked prosper? Why do the wicked, why do the people that don't that don't have a revelation and don't live for you, why are they prospering because it rains on the just? and the unjust, just because you haven't gotten everything that you want. I feel like preaching right here. Just because God hasn't answered every prayer that you have prayed, it's not because he doesn't love you, but it may be that God is saving you from some things. Maybe God knows that if he answered that prayer the way that you wanted it and when you wanted it, that you would never return and give him praise. of who God is is based on disappointments. Never, he never, he's never done that for me. He's never, he's never provided these things. For me. They, they base their opinion of God on whether or not he answered a prayer that they feel like he should have answered. God, if you really love me, you would have done that for me. If you really love me, then you would have given that to me. Now, my grandfather always quoted this scripture. And you either believe this book or not. But my Bible tells me that even though he may not answer, even though he may not give you everything that you want, but his word said that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. It says his purpose, not my purpose, not my plan, not my will, not my idea, but it's God's plan, and it's God's purpose. Could you could you imagine with me for a moment if God answered every prayer that you've ever prayed? Some of you are like, yeah, I could, yeah, I could. you imagine if God ever, if God answered every prayer that you ever prayed, where would you be right now? If God would have answered and allowed you to be with that guy who used to have a head full of hair. Now, if you're bald in this place, I mean no disrespect. But let's just face it, we're all getting older. Or if God allowed you to marry that girl that you thought was going to be the girl of your dreams who would have turned out to be the wife of your nightmares. There's a country song, and forgive me for the reference, but I think old brother, Reverend Garth Brooks had it right when he wrote, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Sometimes I go to a conference and I see, I see that girl and I'm like, "Woo, thank God. I'll be honest with you tonight and tell you that I have prayed some prayers in my life as a young boy that I'm glad and thankful that God spared me from. I have believed that God was going to answer something for me that was certainly the right thing. To be completely honest in my mind, I was disappointed when he didn't answer. Anybody ever been there? You prayed and you just knew it was the will of God. Whatever it may be. I'm not talking about a relationship. But I'm just talking about things in life that you prayed and you just knew that it was going to be the will of God. And you were disappointed when God didn't answer. God, please do this or work that way or answer this way. But let me tell you that the will of God. Is not always to let you keep everything that you feel that you should keep. Sometimes God's answer is not yes. And sometimes you've got to lose one thing in order for God to bless you with another thing. Quit asking God to let you hold on to that thing that he actually is trying to remove from your life. It doesn't really matter when it's all said and done because God is going to bless you anyhow. You're going to come out the other side of that disappointment. You're going to come out the other side of that questioning realizing that God blessed you in spite of what you were praying and that God blessed you in spite of what you thought he should do. doesn't answer some prayers. Now, I have said in my life that when I get to heaven that I'm going to have a lot of questions. I'm going to be like, hey God, can you let me in on a secret here? Why this? And why that? And why did you do this? And why did you allow me to go through that? Can I tell you, I don't believe that When any of us stand before God and we look at him and we hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I don't believe there's going to be a question in our mind about anything that he did. I don't believe that any of us are going to stand there and question him, why did you allow me to to go through this and why did you allow this to happen? No, 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 no. There's not going to be any question when we stand before him and we're face to face with him. And we see the God of all creation that spared us from some things that we didn't even know that he was sparing us from. And who kept us from some things that we didn't know that he was keeping us from. But now somewhere down the line we can look and say thank you God. I I blessed you even when I didn't feel like it. And now I realize that you are working all things out for my good. You weren't abandoning me. You weren't weren't punishing me, but God, you had a different plan for my life. Realize that there is a season of revelation that happens in every life where you're going to see him for what he is and not what you think he is or should be. Let that sink in for just a moment. There's going to be a time when we see God for who he is and not what we have tried to paint him out to be. Sometimes we 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 treat God like a genie in a bottle. We just pick up the bottle and like Lord, if you can just do this and God, if you can just work this out and God, if you can make them just think this way or if you can make them to to believe this way. Or, if you can if you and we're always God if you can, if you can, if you will, God, would you please Just instead of asking me and instead of telling me, I wonder what God thinks. Because there's sometimes as a parent, I'll be real with you right now, my kids will say what you should do. Dad, you ought to spank Brantley in the face with the buckle of the belt. (laughs) Dad, I, I always tell my kids, I'm like, And it's just a joke, so please don't misunderstand. I'm like, I'm going to punch you in the face. And Brantley will look like, Dad, you need to punch Aiden in the face. Tell me how I need to, what I need to do. And you you wonder, and, and as a parent, I know the way that makes me feel. I wonder how God feels when we say, hey, if you can just do this, and if you can do it like this. If you can answer this prayer and you can answer it like this. And if, if you will just do this, then that will happen. And if you will just allow this and then they'll think this certain or they'll act that certain way. Sometimes God's just looking at us and saying, hey, who's God here? Who spoke this world into existence? Who formed who out of the dust of the ground? What makes you think that you know everything? The Bible says that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So why do we question God? And why do we try to make him conform to what we want? We think it should be one way. Is he our provider? Absolutely he is. But his provision doesn't always look like what i requested maybe he's provided me with a no and that is what keeps me saved many times in life that the answer that i prayed for was a big fat no and at times at those times i didn't always understand why that was but now as i'm older and i'm not going to say i'm wiser because i probably not but i look back over these things and i'm like god you spared me god you you were you were working in that the entire time god that's what i really wanted but if i would have gotten what i wanted i don't know that i would be saved today anybody know what i'm talking about if 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 i if i would if I would have just conformed to that, then there is no telling. Where well, I, I tell you right now, there are prayers that in my life that I prayed that if God had answered, I wouldn't be standing here tonight. If God would have answered some of those prayers, there's no way I'd be standing behind a pulpit preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no way in the world that I probably would even be saved today. But I thank God that he had the forethought and even when I thought it was the thing that I needed, that God still loved me enough to tell me no, that's not what you need. No, you don't understand where that will take you if I will allow you to do it. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you no. I'm going to go ahead and just remove that option from your life. As a parent, there's sometimes you just got to tell your kids no. Not because it's a bad thing, but you know that you're keeping them from a bad thing. Job 42 1 through 4. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Pretty wise. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare Thou unto me. Think about those words right there. He said, I'm going to declare you to me. Job, who was sitting by a fire, a campfire, who was scraping boils that were from the top of his head to the sole of his feet trying to get, he broke a piece of pottery and began to scratch at those boils, trying to get some relief, and he is sitting there, and instead of complaining, he did his fair share, but instead of complaining, he said, Lord, I'm going to declare you to me. He said, I'm going to declare your essence. I'm going to declare your goodness, and I'm going to declare your identity to myself. Because sometimes... You just have to sit all by yourself when there's nobody around to encourage you and say, I may be facing it today, but one thing I'll tell you, he's still faithful. Sometimes you just got to get alone and, and clear the voices out of your head and out of your life and say, I know it looks bad right now, but God is still faithful. God is still a loving God. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, it's not by any good thing that I have done. But while you we, I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. That makes him a faithful God that even though he didn't know what my choice was going to be in the end because he gave me the choice. And even though he didn't maybe know that I, if I was going to live for him or what I was going to do, when I was yet a sinner, he died for me. sitting on a bar stool, being everywhere but in the house of God, doing everything that you knew that you shouldn't be doing, when God could have judged you harshly and when God could have written you off, yet Christ died for you. He didn't turn his back. He had every right. To turn his back. He had every right to write us off. But he looked into the future and he saw you and he saw me and he saw all the decisions that we were gonna make along the way. And he said, Yet I still love them. Yet I still love you. He could have, he could have avoided the cross altogether, but he loved you and I enough. To know that that was going to be our only means of salvation. He knew that was going to be our only hope in a hopeless world. And yet he went to the cross and he died for every sinner. He took up on himself your sin and my sin. Don't tell me he's not a faithful God. Don't tell me he hasn't always been faithful to you. Don't tell me in the midst of your disappointment and in the midst of your, your questioning. And sometimes, yes, in the midst of anger. Don't Tell me God's not faithful. He's a faithful God. Sometimes you just have to sit and declare His goodness when there is no one to preach to you. Sometimes you got to sit and declare the goodness of God when there's nobody around to sing to you. When there's nobody to beat the drums a certain way for you. When there's no one to play the keyboard for you where there is nobody around to pat you on the back. Sometimes you just got to be like David and encourage yourself in the Lord. you just got to sit there by yourself even when the tears are flowing down your face and say, I know it's been dark and I know I've been depressed, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You are my glory and you're the lifter of my head. We don't have to go. We don't have to go anywhere when, when, when we don't have to go anywhere else. I can call on the Lord and he will answer me. I've had to have some. Come to Jesus meetings where I, I was the only one around and there wasn't anyone else to tell me that it was going to be okay. The times the times in my life I found myself in a dark place I lay on a pillow at night cry myself to sleep there wasn't anybody around Nobody around to tell me it was gonna be okay, Brother Jerry. Want anybody around to encourage me? I felt all alone. Really, there were people around, but it didn't feel like they were around. Want anybody there to pick me up and say, Come on, you're gonna keep walking. But I had just to encourage myself in the Lord and say, God, I may not understand it. God, I don't understand. I don't understand why I have to go through this. But I'm gonna tell you right now, God, I'm gonna trust you. Even though it's dark, you're going to be a light into my path. God, even though I can't see my way, I know that you're going to remove all the stumbling blocks from my path. You're not going to allow me, and if I trip and fall, God, I understand. I may not feel like it right now, but I know that you're going to catch me when I fall. And if I do fall, I know you're going to be right there to pick me up. I know that you're going to be right there to help me up and say, and and dust me off and say, hey, don't worry about it, Danny. It's going to be okay. It's going to to be all right. I've walked through some dark times in my life, I didn't know how the health of my son was going to turn out. I didn't know what we were going to face. But in the midst of all that, God sent me a sign here and there and let me know, hey, everything's going to be all right. You just trust in me and I'm going to take care of you. I'm here to tell somebody tonight, I don't care what it looks like in in this place and I don't care what it looks like in your life but God sent me here to tell you it's going to be okay. You may feel all alone but God is right with you. He may not have spoken to you in quite a long time but God's about to speak into your life. Had to have some good talks with the Lord and say God I'm just going to have to trust you. I don't feel anything. Anybody ever come to church? You ever prayed and you don't feel anything? Hello? Hello? go through long seasons where you feel like every prayer that you prayed just bounce off the ceiling and hit you right smack dab in the face? And then the enemy's in one ear asking how in the world can you pray that kind of prayer? How in the world could you expect God to care with what about you with what you have done? Am I the only one? You don't have to Learn to trust him when he says yes to every single thing that you inquire of him. That's not the real test. There's going to come a time in your life where God says no. Can I tell you, you're going to have to learn to trust him even when he says no. Pastor has said it before, real submission comes at the word no. You know if you're submitted to the will of God when you can still walk with him when he tells you no. A time, there's going to be a time where you've got to trust that God is not willing to restore to you everything that you want him to restore. But like Job said, in those times, when I'm feeling like I feel, he said, I will declare thou unto me. I'm going to declare your goodness to myself when there is no one to encourage me. Like David said, I will encourage myself in the Lord. Now here's the real tipping point of Revelation that we find in Job's life, we find it in Chapter 42 and verse number 5, when he said, I have heard of thee by, hear, by the hearing of the ear. Then he says, but now mine eye seeth thee. He said, my ears have heard about you. It's one thing to hear about him. Could you imagine if Jesus was what this religious Culture of today says that he is. They say that you can live any way that you want to live and do whatever you want to do. And whenever you need him, just call on him, and he'll be at your beck and call and take care of every one of your needs. That's an easy religion. But can I tell you that it's not really like that. Because you can't really live any way that you want to live and expect God to bless you. You can't live like the devil on Monday through Sunday and then come in and be a model saint on Sunday and then turn around and live like the devil on Monday and still expect God's favor to be on your life. That's not who God is. It's not what he is. And Job said this tipping point And my revelation came to my life when I had not just heard about who you are, but with my own eyes, I saw you and I beheld you. Then we read in Job 42 and verse 6, where Job says, Wherefore, I abhor myself, and he said, I repent in dust and ashes. I'm going to get real with you today moments and I'm drawn to a close very quickly I'm going to get real with you we talk about repentance for the adulterer we talk about repentance for the fornicator we talk about repentance for the addict talk about repentance for the alcoholic we say all all these they need to repent in order to be saved and that is true but let's re- be real and admit that there are some things in our lives. We say we've been delivered from it, and we have, and I thank God for that. But there are some things in our lives that we have to repent for before God because we, we really see that at the end of of this trial and at the end of what I'm going through, that everything that I was going through, that he was working out for my good, even in the midst of complaining, in the midst of fault finding, even when I didn't see him working, he was working everything out for my good. Some of the most humbling times in my life have been when I had to fall broken before God repent and tell him I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I did that I'm sorry I said that I'm sorry I thought about that I, I, I apologize I, God I, I'm sorry because I misunderstood what you were doing in my life I misunderstood what you were working in my life you're going to have to learn to trust him when it's not easy as well as when it is easy. Not only do you have to trust him when everything is is easy, but you also have to learn to trust him when everything is difficult. I wish I could tell you that things won't ever get difficult, but I would be lying to you. And that wouldn't be doing you justice or me justice at all. You're going to have to learn to trust him on the mountaintop as well as trust him in the valley. And I'm declaring that He is not a God who is just faithful when I'm standing on a mountaintop. But he's still faithful when I find myself in a valley and I can't see my way out. In every season of my life he is faithful. When I'm sick, he's faithful. When I'm healed, he's faithful. When he is faithful, no matter what I go through, I would declare thou unto me, O God, that you are faithful. My response to seeing the nature of God is to realize that he is God and I am not. He needs to work. There is something about seeing him that causes your heart to repent. We can't, when I can't see it, God, I still believe. You are working all things out for my good. When I can't see it, God, I still believe in you. Quickly drawn to a close, Luke 19. 1 through 9, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans. And the Bible says he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he went, he was rather to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up. And he saw him, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide in thy house. And he made haste, and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be be guest with a man that was a sinner. Aren't you thankful that God just still associates with sinners? And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord. The half of my goods I give to the poor. He started justifying himself. He said, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man falsely or by false accusation, I restore unto him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation. Come to this house for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus for who he was. And when Jesus came to where he was and Zacchaeus saw Jesus, he said, Lord, there are some things in my life that just aren't right. But my response to seeing you is that whatever I've done wrong, God, please make it right. And my response to seeing him is not that I realize how loving and kind he is, and that he wants me to be happy and I just stay in my sin and keep doing what I'm doing. No, that should, that's not my response. But Zacchaeus said, now that I have seen him, I have recognized in his holiness that there are some unholy things in my life. And I've got to make some things right. Got to get some things right. Matthew 5 and verse 8 says, blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see God. Hear me. You're not going to see God with a rich spirit. If You don't believe me? You read it for yourself. Understand what I'm saying though. If you're not poor in spirit and willing, I'm not saying if you have money that you're not going to see God. That is not what I'm saying at all. But if you're not poor in spirit, and willing to submit yourself to the perfect will of God, then you're never going to see God for who he is. Zacchaeus, a man of little stature, the Bible tells tells us that he was short, and he got lost in the crowd of people just trying to see Jesus. He could hear everything that was going on. He could hear what people were saying about Jesus. He knew what the crowd thought about Jesus, but he had never seen Jesus for himself. But something took place in the heart of Zacchaeus. Something happened when he saw Jesus. Not for what he thought about him, but he saw Jesus for now what he knew about him. And I am no in no way hear me, I'm not gonna, I'm not diminishing the power of a personal testimony when I t- when I say this, but understand I mean, when I tell you that nobody else's testimony is enough to make you believe. Their testimony may inspire us. It may inspire you. It may inspire me and make me feel like I want to believe. But there it has to be a moment in every life where nobody is going to drag you to and Nobody's going to preach you to, and the praise team is not going to stand on a on a, a platform and sing you to that moment. But if you want to see him, you're going to have to, you you got to get there by yourself and say, I don't care if I got to climb a tree. I don't care if it embarrasses me. I don't care if I've got to humble myself. But I've got to do everything that I've got to do because I've got to see him for myself. I wondered this. Why a sycamore tree? Why did he climb a sycamore tree? Because a sycamore tree in that day was considered to be unclean because the fruit that grew on it was what they fed to the swine. Swine were unclean. The fruit that they ate was considered to be unclean. And Zacchaeus, this man of great stature in in society, I'm going to climb that tree because I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to get to where he is and to be able to see him for myself. Luke 19, clearly, Jesus clearly said that Zacchaeus was of the offspring of Abraham. And understand what I tell you, Zacchaeus understood that he had absolutely no business being in a sycamore tree. He understood that fact clearly. He knew it was considered unclean. He knew what people would say. He knew how people would react. He knew what their thought process would be. But when, but whatever he had to do to get over his pride, he was willing to do. Somebody says, well, I, I would be too ashamed to climb that tree. And humble myself like that. I would be too ashamed to to walk down the altar during that appeal because I'm I'm too conscious of what someone may think of me. But let me tell you that I would be ashamed if I were to be that close to Jesus and not get to see him for myself. I'd be more ashamed to not be that close in proximity to Jesus than I would be to not do Whatever it took to get to see him. Paul, understanding this principle, said in Romans 6.6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. The moment that you really seek Jesus for who he is is not the moment that you begin to justify In your life, why God wants you to be happy with all the decisions that you make. And why that God wants you to live any way that you want to live. That's not the moment that we're going to begin to justify what we do and how we do it and how we we try to boss God around. But the moment that you really see Jesus for who he is is the moment that you recognize how holy he is, how holy he is, and how unholy we are, and how desperately we need him in our lives. But understanding that he didn't leave you in your unholy condition for you to die that way. For he's not willing, the Bible said, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Because repentance should be our response when we see him. I, I don't see him, and I'm done. I, I don't see him for what my mom and dad says he is. I, I, I don't see him for who my grandpa and my grandma said he is. But there's got a, there had to come a point in my life that I had to see God for who he really was, and I had to see him myself. I I couldn't take somebody else's word for it, but I had to find out for myself. When I see him for myself, I realize that he is the solution to every one of my problems. So I quit with this tonight. I want to submit to you that Zacchaeus didn't have to see Jesus that day. He could have gone on with his life. He could have gone on just being who he was. He didn't have to climb that tree. Because really, the only reason we find him mentioned in the story was because he did. It wasn't that he had to. Yeah, he was short, but it wasn't about that. But we find him in Scripture, and we find that Jesus said, Come down, because today, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. was all because... He decided that he was going to do whatever it took to see Jesus for himself. What I'm saying is that just because you come to church on a Wednesday night, and I'm glad that you're all here. Well, I I did my part. I'm here now, Jesus. You just come, come and bless me, God. I'm here. I'm. I don't feel like it. I'm tired in body. I'm here. God bless me. Pour it out on me, God. Listen, it's not God's will for you just to come into the house of God, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That is His will, but it's not His will for you to come into this house and do all those things and leave and go back to what He has brought you from. That is not the will of God it's not the will of God for us to see him like he is in the house of God and then say well he wants me to be happy he wants me to be able to live my life any way that I choose and I'm just going to live my life any way I choose and I'm going to use grace and mercy as a crutch that is not the will of God it's not the will of God for us to see him and then just turn around and walk away and just live any old way that we want to live we've got to understand yes, he loves you yes, he wants you to be happy he loves everybody no matter what they've done and no matter where they've been even in what they're doing right now he loves, he loves them, he loves you he loves me, he loves you even to death He was willing to go to the cross. He loved them. He loved us enough for us to be set free from the hell that we were living in when he found us. And I want to tell you tonight, in the midst of all of that, that you don't have to leave this house in the same condition that you came into this place with. But if you want to see Jesus... Your response when you do see him will be, I, I've got to get my life right. I've got to get some things right. God, there's some things in my life that are not exactly what they should be. I, I'm telling you right now, I, I, we, we are all, I, I don't want to mess with anybody's theology, but we are all in that group right now. Because if we were real with ourselves, there are some things in all of our lives that probably are not exactly how God Intended them to be. but Our response should be. When we come into this house. God. I'm coming to worship you. First and foremost. But God. There are some things in my life. That I know that would keep me. That would hinder me. From walking in. And being what you. Have called me. And desired me to be. And God. In the midst of my worship. In the midst of all those things. God I'm asking you. I'm asking you to remove those things from my life right now. God, I'm asking you to cleanse me. God, I repent before you. Come on, we know what we know how to do this. God, I'm asking you to repent. I'm, I'm repenting. I'm asking you to, to make some things right. In my, some of us even need to repent from the, for the way that we've treated his grace so selfishly. Some of us need to repent for the way we've turned our backs on him when all he did was love us. And when all he did was try to be there for us. Sometimes we need to repent for basing our revelation of him on the disappointments we've had in life and not who he actually is. And I wonder tonight at the close of the service, I'm not going to keep you. I've gone way too long tonight. But I wonder if you'd stand all over this room with me. And I wonder if we could take the next few moments we could lift our hands in this place collectively and say, God, I want to see you, God, and I repent right now, God, for for, for anything in my life, God, for, for anything that would keep me from seeing you as you really are. I wonder if you would pray that prayer right now. I wonder if we're just all over this building, we just begin to repent, God, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. For, for basing my revelation and basing my thoughts of you on the disappointments that I've had in my life, God, that maybe most likely have been of my own choosing of my own happenings God I repent before you right now God and I ask that you would open my eyes and allow me to see you for who you really are and it's not about the disappointment God it's not about what you have done and what you haven't done God but it's about who you are and what you want to do in my life and God what you want me to be Lord help me to see you For who you are, God, help me to understand that in the midst of adversity, in the midst of trial, God, when I want to complain, when I feel like throwing in the towel because it's not what I thought it should be, God, when I feel like turning my back and saying there's no use, there's no use to keep praying, There's, there's no use to keep fighting, God, when I feel like that, God, I ask that you would open my eyes and let me see you at work in my life. Let me see you for the deliverer you are. Let me see you for the healer that you are. Let me see you for the savior that you really are, God. Open our eyes and allow us to see you. God, this week, as those that are in this place, difficulty God as we face what might be to some the trial of our life when we find ourselves sitting by a campfire Lord and we're complaining and we're murmuring God help us to know that you are at work in our lives even when we're in the valley